Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. The Twitter sphere was set ablaze last week when a clip was uploaded from a teaching in which Andy Stanley spoke of gay Christians as having more faith than himself and many in his congregation. But what are his father, Charles Stanley, one of the most popular Bible teachers, beliefs on homosexuality? And we look at how some of his father's doctrine could be an example of wrong doctrine actually leading people into wrong living. To discuss this very important topic is none other than the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. Chad, this is serious stuff. I mean, the scriptures are very clear. Jesus said twice, he just repeated it, Luke 13.3, uh, Luke 13.5, except you repent, you will have, you know, I mean, you will all likewise perish. Twice said the exact same thing. Except you repent, you all likewise perish. Then when he gave the great commission for the church, to preach the gospel to all the nations, Matthew 19, but in Luke 24, 47, he says, preach repentance for the remission or the forgiveness of sins. True faith is repentant faith. It's a faith that turns from sin to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And false teachers are claiming that you can live a wicked life. And it is a false teaching because not once, Chad, not once, but over and over and over again, we see in the scripture warnings that if you practice rebellion against God, I'm not saying no one no one listening to me is perfect. None of us are perfect. None of us are close. But uh, rebellion against God, sin it should be an exception in our lives. We shouldn't be rebelling against God all our lives and say, yeah, I love Jesus. Uh, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 and 10, it not only mentions homosexuals, but it mentions drunkards and revilers and extortioners, adulterers, effeminate, you know, fornicators, all these, that they won't hear God's kingdom. But he says, Paul said, let no one deceive you. Be not deceived. He says, you know, these folks will not inherit God's kingdom. And it's a warning to believers. And as and we did the last episode, we looked at more at Andy. When we're looking at his dad and seeing that like father, like son, at least in this case, it's not always true, thank God. But in this case, it's very similar uh, that he says, as such were some of you, as you mentioned, that as Christians, and I mentioned the Bible says, you know, if anyone be in Christ Jesus, that he's a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away, all things have become new. Second Corinthians 5.17, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Uh, it's critical that we recognize Paul says, don't be, let no one deceive you. Uh, you won't hear God's kingdom. In other words, it's a deception. But it's not just there. I think it's just really interesting because Paul gives these warnings. And he's the apostle of grace, you know. Paul's the champion of grace, but guess what he did over and over again? Because he said in Romans, he warned, should we go on and sin that grace may be, may be a bounty? He said, may it never, never be. be. King James says, God forbid, you know. But in the, the Greek text, it says, may it never be. And he Paul's teachings were being twisted into a license as Jude said, we mentioned, so I'll get into it a long time, or mentioned much about that, Chad, in this episode, but Jude warns about those who have crept in the church who are turning God's grace into a license for immorality. Second Peter's a lot about that as well. Whole books in the Bible, Second Peter and Jude are about that, but also in Ephesians, Apostle of Grace, Paul says in chapter five, verses four through eight, he says, you know, he talks about wickedness and, and, and perversion and sin, and he says, let no one deceive you with vain words. For those who do these things have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. 
He says, but your children, you're the light. But he says, watch out. So you don't become partakers of the wrath of God with those who are in darkness. Same warning in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. You have the same thing going on there, Chad. Uh, he gives a vice list, the works of the flesh. I mean, he mentions over 20 different things. And in case he missed anything, it says that things like this, he says, those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Same thing. And he says, I say these things as I said to you before. He says, I warn you. I, in other words, guess what? This is the first time I told the Galatians this. I'm telling you guys again, you won't hear God's kingdom. And then in chapter 6, a few verses later, verses 7 through 9, he says, Be not deceived. There that warning is, God is not mocked. He that sows the flesh will from the flesh reap destruction. But he that sows the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal, eternal life. life. And we shall reap if we do not grow weary. We need to continue in the faith. So you have warning after warning after warning. James says, don't be deceived either, brethren, because sin leads to death. And in 1 John, he says, don't be deceived. In 1 John chapter 3, because he that practices sin, he says, is of the devil. So he has five be not deceived passages separate from 2 Peter and Jude, which are whole books against these guys that turn grace into license. You guess what? We have every false doctrine being warned about in the church today, except you know what people avoid? 2 Peter and Jude. When do you ever hear preachers preach on those books? It's just crazy because guess what? It exposes a lot of the popular teaching. But this popular teaching that says once you're saved, you can rebel against God and still be saved has been ratcheted up to the point of just blatantly just opening the doors and saying, kumbaya, we're all Christians no matter what you do. It's almost like what happened, Chad. It reminds me when Moses went up the mount to receive the Ten Commandments. Inscribed from the finger of God. And when they saw that he delayed his coming, they began to frolic and have an orgy and I commit idolatry and just anything goes. And they called their God Yahweh still, yeah. this golden calf. So they said, oh, we're still worshiping God, but we can, we're free to do all these things. Moses came back, was pretty ticked off. He broke the commandments, right? Thousands of people died, by the way, because of that rebellion against God. Well, guess what? Jesus warned that when people say in the last days, because he said it's like going a king going on a long trip. It's going to be a while before he gets back because we got to evangelize the world, right? He said, when they talked about those who would say, my Lord's delayed his coming, delayed his coming, just like that with Moses. That's a type of picture. And he says, if they start getting drunk, you know, and beating the maidservants, I'll come at a time that they're not aware of, and I'll cut them in pieces and put them with the unbelievers. These are strong mornings, Chad, and this is happening before our very eyes. Yeah, and just to unpack this, and one of the things is we try to do our best. We don't always do so well at it, but we try to keep things to one episode and pack in as much stuff in a 30-minute episode but in all honesty, on the last episode, we just couldn't get it all in. In fact, we weren't even halfway through. We felt like five minutes, and he goes, 10 minutes? I'm like, what? <laughs> and so we said, yo, man, we got to do another one on this because this aspect, because there really is, it's more than two prongs. There's plenty of prongs going on here. But really, there is an aspect that deals specifically with Andy. And if you don't know what we're talking about, and we, we had a clip in the last one. We'll put a link in the description, but I'll give the shortest summary possible here. And that is Andy Stanley had given a teaching and it was posted up on Twitter. It was actually given in 2022. But in that teaching, he talks about the homosexuals in the congregation. And he says that they actually have more faith than he does because they've stuck around, even though they're not wanted as they, they're not wanted there and so forth. And then he talks about the clobber passages, you know, like five of the ones that Joe talked about and other passages as well. Over and over again, you just had this, these ridiculous statements and to think, oh, yeah, but people aren't seeing it that way. And it's probably not being accepted by the homosexual community that way. Well, I'm going to read something from you because this is a tweet from Jonathan Merritt. And if you don't know Jonathan Merritt, Jonathan Merritt claims to be an evangelical gay Christian. So I want to set that 
set that groundwork here. And this here. is a response to? And this is a response to the very video that we talked about in part one of this, that very video that Andy Stanley said all these things. Where he things. affirms homosexual members in the church having greater faith than the rest of the congregation. Amen, amen. Mm-hmm. And here's what Jonathan Meredith said. If you feel angry at the suggestion that gay people or anyone else you consider sinful being welcomed to God's table, then you will absolutely hate reading the gospel. Lots of anger from the fundies on this one from Andy Stanley today. Now, Joe, not only was that tweet just ridiculous, and we can talk a little bit about that. We should break that down a little bit. But also, here was a response. He said, love this. The next step is for his church to become overtly affirming. And he ends it with this. That's coming. Dot, dot, dot. So, one, I would actually agree that that is coming. That seems fact, to be... he's kind of doing it right there. He's kind of I mean, doing I, it right there. I would there. not be shocked, honestly. I would not be shocked if he, if Andy Stanley all of a sudden finally came out, of, if he came out of the closet and not as a homosexual. I mean, that's, who knows, but at, because it's kind of interesting, the whole vibe he gives and everything is just interesting. But if he comes out of the closet affirming the whole LGBTQ alphabet, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, because he keeps pushing the goalpost. And you know how it's a form of deception is you try to bring them in where they're, you know, where, oh, we can just all accept this now. But you, then what he's doing is he's saying, hey, they're not just like you. We should accept them. They're actually the model Christians we need to emulate because they have greater faith than even me, your pastor. So we need to emulate and be more like them, which is what he's saying. And it's like, Andy, you can't say that about those involved in adultery. You can't say that about those who are drunkards at the church and just, you know, refusing to repent. Or can you? But he's saying that about this community of people that need Jesus and need to truly repent and be saved. And that's what's so heartbreaking about this. But you mentioned breaking that down, uh, that quote from Merritt, just because, and I didn't know we were going to break it down. I'm glad you mentioned that because something really bugged me. I just thought it was interesting because Paul warns, as we mentioned last service, in 1 Corinthians 5 and 6, homosexuals and so forth won't inherit God's kingdom. And he says that you can't fellowship with them and act as though they're believers in 1 Corinthians 5, not even eating with them. Because you're affirming them, and a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lot, but it'll ruin the whole church because everybody will think, oh, we're allowed to be in rebellion with God, and God just accepts us no matter what we're doing. And it's interesting, he says, that, that we've been welcomed to the table. That, mm. No, that, I, th- that was the same exact thing I was thinking. And one of the things, and you had mentioned this in the last episode, we are rehashing this before we get into some of these things, because you talked about 1 Corinthians 5, and when you really do look at, and you gave that context as well, you look at 1 Corinthians 5, and look at that, almost juxtaposed, because there are two different issues, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, where in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, what Paul warns about there is being unevenly yoked with yeah. non-believers. Right. But 1 Corinthians 5 is dealing specifically with any so-called believer who is practicing sexual morality is one of those right. things listed, and yet you are sitting there, and what you're ultimately doing to them is patting them on the back and you're affirming their lifestyle to yeah. them when you're saying, come sit at the table. Jesus sitting with sinners— and calling them to repentance is not what Andy's doing here. Yeah. I mean, he may do that in private. I don't know if he does. But you know what? Instead of us guessing what he does, I guess we can see the kind of people that are getting baptized, Joe. Yeah. Because we can actually look at this clip of someone who is actually baptized at Andy's church. Hi, I'm Cortland Russell. I didn't grow up going to church or really having a relationship with Christ. It wasn't until I moved to Atlanta and met one of my now best friends, Gregory Cook, that I was connected with a community of LGBTQ Christians. I saw shining examples of healthy LGBTQ Christ-centered relationships and 
really started to have that personal relationship with Jesus for the first time in my life. I remember driving to Starting Point one week um, and listening to Andy's messages right before Starting Point groups as a way of preparing for that session, and I just started crying. I'm excited to be baptized and publicly share that I love Jesus. He is my Lord and Savior. Well, Joe, that uh, that's really sad to watch. I have to be honest with you. It really hurts my heart because obviously surface level, people don't understand what's going on there. You know, you think, oh, well, they're just being loving to this guy. But this baptism that's going on, you know, I, I think this is a good place for this because he's talking about going to a church, listening to his sermons. And, and, and Joe, if somebody came to Blessed Hope Chapel here in Simi Valley, they showed up on a Sunday, you haven't met them. They've been, they've been listening to your sermons and they want to get baptized. But they also mentioned that they're gay, and now the reason why they want to come is because they've been meeting with other gay Christians, and so now they feel accepted, and now he wants to get baptized. What's something, if you're dealing with that scenario, what's something that you would do, and, and what would you share with that person coming with that? No, it's a great question. You have, just in the last few weeks, maybe five weeks or so, we've got five or six people that have just come, and most of them are newer, that want to be baptized. We're planning the baptism. We usually do a lot of baptisms in the summer and so forth, and we have baptisms, but we thought, man, we need to do one right now because so many people are wanting to be baptized. And Chad, one of the affirmations you make when you're baptized, and if you look at the earliest creeds of the church, if you look at even the Didache and you look at the the, uh, baptismal formulas and so forth of the early church, uh, was the declaration that Jesus is Lord. And it broke my heart that this man was saying he believes Jesus is Lord, but he hasn't repented from homosexuality yet. Uh, and the Bible puts homosexuality in the same list with drunkards and adulterers and so forth. And and if we're going to pretend to be Christians, then go at it. Because if I'm going to pretend to be Christian, I'm not going to be Christian at all. You know, I'm going to either follow Jesus or I'm not going to follow Jesus. I'm either not going to pretend I'm going to heaven, I'm right with God, and live a wicked lifestyle. And it's one thing to pretend you're a Christian. That's called hypocrisy. It's another thing to be a leader and pretend that people are entering God's kingdom when you know the scriptures. And Andy Stanley knows what the scriptures say on this subject. The clobber passages, you mean? Yeah, he calls them the clobber passages, yeah. and uh, which is just trying to put an evil spin on God's word. Uh, but one thing we would we do, Chad, is we make sure people know that hey, you're following Jesus. You're He's Lord of your life. And when uh, Chad, you've done baptisms with me in the water. Yeah. You and other elders, we share in doing baptisms and. One thing we have them repeat after us is a renunciation of sin, Amen. of the kingdom of darkness, uh, com- confirmation and affirmation that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he's God who became a man, that he uh, that He lived a perfect life, that he went to the cross and he paid for our sins on the cross. He rose again. He ascended. He's interceding for us now. He's coming back again. I mean, all those things are repeated and that he's my Lord. And we emphasize that I turn from a life of rebellion against him and what it means for Jesus to be Lord. See, I, and it broke my heart because I'd never seen that clip. I knew it was coming, but I didn't know exactly what he was going to say. And other than he was, you know, being accepted as a Christian in good standing and being baptized at Stanley's church, is it makes me think of those verses. Many will say, Lord, Lord, you know, we said, I never knew you. Or it makes me think of the scriptures where Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord and not obey what I say? Jesus defined marriage as a relationship between one man and one woman, Matthew chapter 19. And he said it was that way from the beginning. He cites what happened with Adam and Eve. God, Said he brought two together, let but God's joined together to let no man separate. Uh, scriptures where they profess to know him, 
Titus 1.16, but by their works they deny him. Yeah. Uh, and Pete and Jude, when he's worried about these grace changers, they deny our only Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, you can deny him with your words, but you can also deny him with your behavior, as Titus 1.16 says. So, Chad, what we do is, is we talk about repentance, making sure you're repentant. Have you turned from a life of rebellion and embraced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because the way that leads to destruction is broad, and you don't have to repent, but it's destruction. But the way that leads to life, it's a narrow gate, man. Why is the gate that leads to destruction, right? And many on that road, you said, but narrow is the gate and strays the way that leads to life. A few are those who are, are on that road. And the false prophets, he warns about right after Jesus says, enter the narrow gate, watch out for the broad gate. He warns about these false prophets who are in sheep's clothing, but in are ravenous wolves who are basically trying to tell people they can go down the broad road and enter in life. And that's what's going on here, you guys. So uh, since the scriptures speak of repentance and so forth, uh, one of the things we emphasize, it's a, it's a requirement. You have to repent. You can't be a Christian if you don't repent. You know, there's not going to be a lot of, there's be a bunch of murderers and drunkards and homosexuals and 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 all these folks living, in, adulterers living in heaven. It wouldn't be heaven anymore. Our hearts have to be transformed. And so we make sure, Chad, that uh, as you know, that if you've come to Christ, you know, faith out works is dead. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And if you're in Christ, you're going to be a new creation. Yeah, and I, I think it's important, too. You don't hear, Joe, and, and, I, and I point this out, and one of the reasons we do this is because sexual sin. We don't hear people saying, hey, I realized when I met with a bunch of adultery practicing, uh, you know, friends that are Christians, that once we met together, then I felt accepted at a church. No one would ever do that. Right. Right? That That's not what's going on. What we're saying is be transformed by the new birth. Because that's that's a promise. Old things pass away. All things become new. You then become an ambassador for Christ. And it, it's a heartbreaking thing. But Joe, I, I want to play this, this clip uh, because I think there are going to be in this clip, and I don't know if you've seen this one yet. We kind of want to surprise you with it. Granted, I think you were already on the same page as where we were trying to go before you got here. And But I want to play this clip because I think there's some times where we're like, wow, amen, that's really good. And then I'm like, oh. There's the fly in the ointment, but it's not a fly. It's it's nasty. So let's play that clip. Well, this email comes from Ginger. And she says, after discovering our son's negative views of Christianity and the Bible, he states he is a gay Christian and wrote that he does not believe it is a sin. He feels that his homosexual lifestyle is normal and believes God will accept him. Can he get into heaven while practicing this lifestyle? I'm glad you asked this question. Lots of people would like to have an answer. Well, if you'll notice the issues here, number one, he has a negative view of Christianity in the Bible, which says he has set aside the very moral basis for living, and that's the Word of God. And he states that he is a gay Christian, and he does not believe it is a sin. Now, what is he doing? He's going by his beliefs and his feelings. And so what we have to ask is this. Are you going to be governed by what you feel or by what the Word of God says? For example, he says he doesn't feel like it's a sin and uh, he feels it's normal. Now, let me ask you a question. Does that sound like something that you would really and truly believe that God agrees with your lifestyle when in these three passages alone, it is very, very clear. God does not agree with the lifestyle of a homosexual. Then I would ask you this question, and that is, has this young man been born again? Well, he's turned away from God's word and turned away from 
the things of God, then he's saying, here's what I believe. In other words, he's saying, I believe God now agrees with me, though I have rejected the word of God. Either that young man is not saved, or if he is saved, he is totally deceived because God gives the power not only to save us, but he empowers us to live a godly life. And what has happened here is he has turned down this godly life that God offers. And so what he's turned down is the peace and the joy and rewards of it. So when he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, to answer your question, can a person who is a homosexual go to heaven? If they have been saved by the grace of God, yes. But as he says, they forsake, that is, they lose their reward. They do not inherit what God intends. Not only that, there is no peace, no joy, no happiness, no matter what they say. And medical research has proven absolutely unquestionably that a person can be freed from homosexuality if they want to. For example, it comes down to a matter of abstaining from immoral activities, just like any other single person would. If a person's a single, they have the privilege and the power by the Holy Spirit to abstain from immoral activities. It is a choice a person makes. So, Mother, here's what I would say to you. You have the responsibility to love your son, which I'm sure you do. You have an equal responsibility to be sure that you confront him with the word of God and that you do not succumb to making him feel good by agreeing that he's okay. Because what that is to do is to deceive your son. And to agree with him would be absolutely an act of disobedience to God. If he was saved and he continues to rebel against God's word, He's deceived, but he will still inherit God's kingdom. The exact opposite of what the scriptures say, which he will not. It says, don't be deceived. They will not inherit God's kingdom. Yeah, it, it's it's so interesting to to listen to that. And in the first portion, I know he goes over 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and a lot of the texts that we would go over, the ones that his son would say are the clobber verses. Yeah, his dad was using the clobber verses. The clobber verses. And, and I'm like, I'm, re- I'm listening to some of these things. Are you going to be governed by what you feel or what the Word of God says? And and yet, when I hear him say that, and then he says some really good things. You can be transformed by the Spirit and enables us to fight against sin and, and so forth. Yeah, that's all true. But, but Joe, when I hear him say those things, if they've been saved, then yes, they're just totally deceived. They'll lose peace, joy, and rewards. They'll have no peace or joy or happiness. And yet, I'm thinking to myself, you have Andy over here, young Andy, learning from Charles, his father. And in my mind, the logical conclusion that I would come to if I was Andy is, well, if they just lose out on rewards, at least we're saving them. We're getting them in the church. We're baptizing them. And yeah, we'll keep it under the rug so, you know, those fundies don't, you know, get upset with us because those clobber passages exist. But ultimately, we know, because my dad's taught me, all we lose are rewards. It's not the fact that you are not in Christ, many of which have never been in Christ, Mm -hmm. that just continue to practice, never turn from a life of rebellion and turn and put their heart and have that change of heart onto Jesus. But they've never changed. Plenty of those, but how many, sadly enough, can get caught up in this teaching and think, well, I've already been saved, and now I can just walk in this rebellion because, you know what, when I'm upset, alcohol, it doesn't it doesn't feel too bad when I'm just drinking. Uh, you know what, and you know what, why not, why not practicing this? And you know what, that girl, my feelings, that girl, even though I'm only going to lose some rewards, she may not be my wife, 
But man, it's probably fun getting with her. And and this is the kind of behavior and that that saying that I know you've been saying at least as long as I've ever been here, which now as of January 19th was 14 years. But Praise wrong God. doctrine leads to wrong living. And there's a reason there are the warning patches that don't be deceived over and over again. Because when I see that, I it just breaks my heart. What fly in the ointment of what normally was a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, and the sad thing is, I mean, you have uh, Stanley's Church, Annie Stanley's Church, where it, there's you know a number of people practicing homosexuality and all kinds of other sin because he basically you know gave the open sesame to it, uh, and that's Exhibit A of wrong doctrine leads to wrong living. I mean, they're it's just crazy, and when you think about it, it's like. We have to fight the flesh. We have to take up our crosses daily, deny ourselves, and follow Jesus if we're going to be his disciples. Amen? So the crazy thing is, when you think about this, people are already having to fight their flesh. And basically what he's saying is that, hey, you know what? Imagine telling young persons, you know, hey, you know what? There's a, oh, you know, you're hanging out with friends. Yeah, we look at these dirty, which kids probably not going to say this. We look at all these raunchy magazines. There's all kinds of stuff going on. And on our phones, we see all kinds of people having sex bisexual sex, sex with humans, sex with animals, all that. And and you say, what is going on with my kid, you know? And you say, hey, just so you know, if you do that, uh, son, you're just going to not, you know, you're not going to have as much peace in your life, you know? Uh, you're, you're not going to get as many Christmas presents when Christmas comes around. That's not going to sway him. That's not going to put the fear of God in him. The fear of the Lord leads to repentance, you know? That's, he's just going to say, okay, well, I'm going to gamble because I'm going to go with my flesh because the flesh is very powerful. He's given a message that is echoes from Eden. God said, you eat, you're going to die. And serpent said, you shall not surely die. And these guys are saying, God's word says, Jesus says in, what is it? John 8, 51, he that keeps my word will never see death. John, Romans 8, 12 and 13. Uh, we're not dead as to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you lived after the flesh, ye shall die. Right? So if we go back to the flesh, it's like partaking the fruit and fruit. We're going to die. And he's talking about spiritual life there because he's talking about walking the spirit. The very next verse, verse 14 says, as many as are led by the spirit, these are the children of God. He's talking about spiritual life. And if we're in rebellion to the Lord, we can die spiritually. Just look at Romans 11, very clear, 20 through 22. You have to continue the faith. If you don't continue the faith, Paul says you too could be cut off. But listen to what Charles Stanley says in his book, Eternal Security. I almost brought the book from my home. I had it ready. I just grabbed my pages and stuff and forgot the book. But I've got that thing marked up from beginning to end, not because there's good stuff in it, but because there's so many lies in this book. And his son, Andy Stanley, helped with this book. Listen to some of these quotes from this book. You can see where these guys are coming from and why they don't really preach strongly against sin. Stanley writes, even if a believer for all practical purposes becomes an unbeliever, his salvation is not in jeopardy. Become an atheist, he can follow Sam Harris, but he's still saved. Believers who lose or abandon faith will retain their salvation, he writes. A Christian who at no point in his entire life bore any fruit, a Christian that doesn't bear any fruit, period, he says, and yet his salvation is never jeopardized. Wow. Bible says, you know, faith without works is dead, You'll know them by their fruit. He says, there are Christians who show no evidence of their Christianity as well. He says, you can't sit like the devil down here and, and get away with even, even as a believer. But he says this, because you'll lose your rewards. He says, but you won't lose your salvation. In other words, you can sin like the devil and not lose your salvation. Wow. Chapter 20, I was looking at this before we left. Chapter 20, and I've got this, so I got marked up dog-eared. And I dog-ear and mark up books that I, I like quotes. But man, when there's like horrific damnable heresy quotes 
And it's a damnable heresy to teach people that they can rebel against God, spit in his face, blaspheme him, live like the devil, and not forfeit salvation because it's the echoes from Eden, you shall not surely die. Is in chapter 20 of that book, Chad, he just blatantly states, just blatantly states very clearly uh, that he says, in chapter 20, it's just a few pages long, he says, if you turn against Christ as a false messiah, and you just believe that Jesus is a false messiah, he says, you don't have anything to fear. You don't have anything to fear because he's going through Roman or Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10 and how they trampled underfoot the blood of Christ and, and how they crucified Christ afresh. And he says, look, if these, and he says they're still saved. They're not saved, you know? It's, 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 in fact, in Hebrews chapter 10, he says, if we go on sinning willfully after receiving knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but only fearful looking for a fire and indignation that will consume the adversaries of God. How much worse punishment if they sin under Moses' law were stoned to death under two or three witnesses? How much worse punishment suppose you shall it be for him who has trampled underfoot the blood of the covenant and insulted the, great, the, the, the uh, Spirit of God? And he talks about the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified. So Chad, he says in that context of dealing with Hebrews 6 and 10, he says, oh, these guys are still saved. Such a lie. And he says, they had nothing to fear by believing Jesus is the false Messiah. We have nothing to fear. And Chad, when it speaks of those who turn grace into a license, it says, they're hidden reefs that are left feasts. And it says, there's no fear of God. They have no fear. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. He says, you don't have anything to fear. No, it, it is heartbreaking. And something I, I was thinking about this too, when you read the book of Ezekiel over and over again, he talks about yeah. the watchman. It's not just once. He talks about it over and over again. As well. and, and he warns of the blood being on his hand by not warning mm-hmm. them. But the thing that I thought about when hearing Andy was in Ezekiel chapter 13. Here's what it says. In Ezekiel chapter 13 it says, thus says the Lord God, woe to the foolish prophets who are following their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, your prophets have been like foxes among ruins. You have not gone up into the breaches, nor did you build the wall around the house of Israel to stand in the battle on the day of the Lord. And Joe, one of the reasons Good Fight Ministries exists, the reason why we're doing this show over and over again, these shows, is because why? We say the days are evil and you need to be ready for that evil day when he comes. And these guys are saying, just take off the breastplate of righteousness, take out the helmet of salvation, and you'll lose nothing but joy and peace. And this stuff, they're foxes among the ruins. Yeah, it's funny because uh, I was thinking, I, I thought you were thinking of another passage, but similar passage, and I'll just say this, is 23 of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, set the trumpet in their mouth, you're right, you're, their blood will be in your hands if you don't warn them. Isaiah, they're dogs that don't bark. They're, they're, not, they're not giving the warnings out. And the blood's going to be on their head, and it's really, really, really scary. They say peace when there's no peace, because he says in Jeremiah that they do not tell my people to repent, and they say you'll have life without repentance. Wow. That's just what's going on here, folks. Turn from them now. God bless you Turn guys. to Jesus, folks. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.